Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Let's Talk XFL, the only podcast solely focused on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host Michael Lathrop. Hello football fans. This is episode 45, Porter Joint San Antonio. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Royal Retros by 503 Sports. Royal Retros are the king of throwbacks. Royal Retros by 503 Sports provides a line of merchandise from legendary defunct leagues such as the XFL 1.0. If you've always wanted to get yourself a quality Las Vegas Outlaws He Hate Me or Los Angeles Extreme Tommy Maddox jersey, perhaps even an OG XFL's team's t-shirt, we have you covered. Simply click on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code LETSTALKXFL at checkout to receive 10% off your purchase. This past week, we had another announcement and a few new XFL developments. Later in the show, I will be joined by defense lineman Shahan Williams to discuss his football journey and XFL draft invitation. But first, we have those developments to cover. So, let's get to it. On September 7th, the XFL announced its partnership with Under the Lights Flag Football, an international youth flag football league for boys and girls, from kindergarten through the 12th grade. Under the Lights was founded in 2015 and is owned by One Team Youth LLC. One Team Partners, a majority owner of One Team Youth, is a joint venture between the NFL Players Association, MLB Players Association, and Redbird Capital Partners, and has a long-standing relationship with Under Armour. Through this partnership, the XFL will support Under the Lights' mission of empowering youth athletes and expanding player opportunity, while also further integrating within football-loving communities, including seven of the XFL markets. Included in the partnership, the XFL and Under the Lights will co-host the first-ever Youth Flag Football World Championships this December from the 27th through the 30th in San Antonio, Texas. I see this partnership as a smart grassroots commitment which will enhance the league's brand in most of its 2023 markets and beyond. Flag football is a fast-growing activity and leagues are popping up everywhere. It is common for teams within these leagues to be named after National Football League teams and wearing those teams' brands. Perhaps this opportunity will allow youth teams to use XFL branding, which could help grow league awareness and lead to additional support. We must note, there is also the indirect Under Armour connection which supports speculation of a likely XFL uniform supplier partnership with Under Armour. After all, time is beginning to run out. We will find out soon if this becomes a reality. Then, on September 9th, the Grossi Pirna Show had former Green Bay Packers quarterback Kurt Benkirk as a guest. During his segment, the XFL was brought up. Benkirk shared some interesting insight. I typically would share the audio clip of the segment. Instead, today I'm going to quote Benkirk and we'll share a link to the show in this episode's description and notes. So, what did Ben Kirk mention? He stated XFL quarterback pay structure will be similar to the National Football League practice squad regular season salaries. Ben Kirk shared each of the XFL teams have submitted their top three quarterbacks. Of those teams, he's in the top three for two teams, and one team has him marked as their guy. If he makes a National Football League practice squad, he goes on to mention, I have a choice to sign a features deal in the NFL. 
I will most likely go to the XFL instead of signing a features deal. Benkert further clarifies his pending future by stating, the only way an NFL deal would come into play is if it is a guaranteed deal with some sort of signing bonus that is over the XFL spot. If you have an opportunity, I recommend finding the show's link in this episode's description and notes, because there is additional information being shared during their show. That being said, Benkert is not a lock to play in the XFL for the 2023 season. However, seeing his current situation and interest, it looks likely that he'll be slinging the pigskin in the XFL in a few months. We will have to see how the National Football League's 2022 season plays out and how it impacts Benkirk's availability. Also, on September 9th, Shady Sports Network reported former Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker Joey Porter is joining XFL San Antonio's coaching staff, where he will be reunited with his former teammate, now-turned-head coach, Heinz Ward. Porter will work under defensive coordinator Jim Herman. Since hanging up his cleats, Porter's five-year coaching career included stints with Colorado State in 2013 as a defensive assistant, the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2014 as a defensive assistant, and 2015 through 2018 as their outside linebackers coach. Despite Porter's recent absence from the gridiron sidelines, I think this is a solid addition to the XFL coaching ranks. He has valuable playing and coaching experience at the highest level. At the age of 45, Porter is young enough to make a connection with younger, aspiring athletes. As I have previously mentioned, I will now be joined by defensive lineman Shahan Williams to discuss his football journey and XFL draft invitation. Welcome, Shahan. I appreciate you taking the time to join the show to discuss your football journey and pursuit of playing in the XFL. Thank you. Honored to be here. Uh, it's a pleasure. Definitely appreciate you, you know, just taking time out of your day, you know, just to chat it up. It's a pleasure on my end, believe it or not. It's really awesome to have you. You played your collegiate ball at Division II Notre Dame College in South Euclid, Ohio, as well as a brief time at Youngstown State University. Can you walk us through your collegiate recruitment and how these opportunities came about in your college experience? Yeah, so um, kind of start off started from like just a junior, senior year type of deal in high school. At first, I was, you know, getting a lot of interest from, you know, like Michigan State, you know, Mac schools up there in Ohio and uh, had a visit with Cincinnati. And um, I also had a visit with Penn State as well. But as, you know, time progressed and, you know, I didn't hit that growth spurt at that moment, undersized D lineman. I think I was around like just a little over six foot, six one. You know, you know how that goes. So. I just didn't really hear too much going forward. And then that's when the D2 school started to, to creep in around my senior year. Notre Dame actually came in, I think, from a satellite camp, from Bowling Green Satellite Camp. They came down to uh, Youngstown, Ohio. And that's how I got first introduced to them. So took the visit up there, felt right. I was familiar with that area. It's basically in like Cleveland, Ohio. I was familiar. I spent some time as a kid up there for years. Me and my family, we lived up there. So I'm like, yeah, it feels like home. It's an hour away, not too far from my actual home in Youngstown, Ohio. So let's do it. And, you know, I spent my first two seasons there. I got some good playing time, you know, as a true freshman. Um, ended up being impactful literally the first game. And, you know, that the coaches really got to see, like, okay, you know, he's able to, you know, compete at this level. They got to really see, like, sky's the limit for myself. Towards the end of the second half of the season, there were, you know, upperclassmen ahead of me that, you know, were healthy then at the time. So uh, my reps kind of went down a lot during that. And going into the next season, in my sophomore year, I was going into a starting role. 
on the defensive line. And I actually did start my first two or three games and I ended up getting injured. I had sprained my ankle. Um, it was like a high ankle sprain. Um, you know, those are like tricky sometimes, you know, it could be two to three weeks or it could be a little, it could be two months. So once that had happened and once it got to the point where I had missed about six games, five to six games, my head coach was like, you might as well just, you know, just call it a year. That way you can get this full year back and, you know, you'll be good to go. I sat out, you know, it was tough being injured and everything like that. I had some family problems going on back home, which caused me to actually transfer back to Youngstown an hour away to go to Youngstown State University and while being able to help uh, my family out during that time. So, you know, I came back home, got a job here and, you know, was working and, you know, just grinding it out, but also still wanted to pursue my first love, which was football. So I was, you know, walked onto the Youngstown State football team, had to do, you know, a, a year, you know, all the rules now are different. You know, you can transfer and play immediately. That's back during the times when, you know, the portal didn't exist yet. So, you know, you had to sit for a year. So I sat for a year and I was on a practice team and, you know, just helping making those guys better. And they ended up going on a deep run, which was exciting, especially to see my hometown college, you know, go to a national championship uh, and to be a part of it, you know, not fully a part of it. I really wanted to play, you know, but to see like the fans excited around the area and to just be a part of the program and to learn from a D1 coaching staff and, you know, different terminology, a whole new system. It was it was great. Honestly, it was a good learning experience for myself going into the next spring, you know, uh, next spring and summer. Sorry. You know, just fighting it out, trying to move my way up the depth chart, ended up getting on, you know, on the second, third team, going into fall camp. A lot of guys were ahead of me. So it, it, it literally ended up me being bumped all the way down to fifth string. The first two days happened to football camp to where I didn't even get one single rep in practice. And it was like, man, you know, they, they just didn't see me in their future with their plans or anything like that, you know, because I was a walk on at the time. But. I went home, I think, after that after that third practice. And it was like, I, I talked to my dad. I'm like, Dad, I don't think they're going to play me at all. Like, I don't think I will have the chance to show what I can do here. I think I'm going to just really just become a regular student and just finish out, get my degree and, you know, just do that. And then, you know, I had a couple of talks with, you know, some family members and things like that. And they all just were like, you know, don't do that. You still got a lot left in the tank. You still love football. Just do it again. Just transfer again. Go where you're wanted. So I started, you know, reaching out to some D2 schools. Slippery Rock, Grand Valley, uh, just anywhere in, within that area, part of the country. And then I actually reached out to my old team, Notre Dame, you know, because I was still familiar with the coaches there. My position coach at the time was the head coach. Now, I still knew everyone on, on that staff and also in the locker room. So once they had got wind that, you know, I was looking for another new home, they were like, yeah, come up, do a visit, basically. And they had a spring practice. Or no, they actually had like a, I think it was a camp walkthrough. It was just, as soon as I walked on, walked on the field, every, it's like practice just stopped and every, and all the players just came over and just showed love. And it was like, this, this, I got to finish out what I did here. This is, it's just more than a football here. Like these are like my guys, like this is an actual family setting. The rest was history. You know, I went back. I had to, since it was like during camp, I had to get a clearing letter from the NCAA. I couldn't play till like the sixth game of the year. And during that time, I couldn't come in and, you know, just hurry up, take somebody's spot. You know, got to respect those guys that were there the whole time and grinding out since camp. So I just was happy, you know, being back on the football team and playing football. So I finished out that year. That year technically was my sophomore year. Going into my junior year, I had a real big chip on my shoulder just to really have one full college season under my belt and to really prove to myself, you know, put everything in in the offseason and see what comes out. 
and, you know, take care of my body and just train the hardest I've ever trained. And that's what I did that year. You know, I, I went back home in Youngstown. We had, I got linked up with my personal trainer here at the time and we just got after it and stayed here all the way up until camp. And then that was like my biggest year. You know, I, my first full season of college, that's when I got the 20 sacks in one year. Really 21 and a half, but, you know, I was supposed to break the record, but we'll, we'll get to that in, uh, later down. Uh, I'll, I'll explain how that happens. But after that, you know, that's really when I made a name for myself. We went to the final four. I was able to take some things that I learned at YSU as far as being a leader, seeing that championship run and wanting to bring that back to Notre Dame College, who was a fairly new football program. And, you know, wanted to bring that there. We ended up winning our first conference championship that year with them went on the final four run, like I said. And, it was just a great magical year, honestly. Uh, I loved every minute of it, every moment. That team and my teammates, we still talk about that season to this day, and we probably going to talk about it for the rest of our life. But going into senior year, I just knew I had to, you know, do everything double. I'm like, it's a target on my back. So I went home, worked even harder, got with my personal trainer. We did everything, you know, just we just worked. I just worked my tail off even harder. I wasn't worried about the accolades or I wasn't satisfied at all because we didn't win a national championship. So. None of the rest of that, you know, All-American or anything, I wasn't satisfied off of that. So came back the next year. We ended up losing in the, I think it was the third round of the playoffs. Yeah, it was the third round of the playoffs to Slippery Rock. And that, that was it. But it was a good year. It was a good college run. I'm glad everything came full circle. And I was able to go back to Notre Dame and kind of just finish what I started and was able to help get the startup to really be established, establish that program as a D2 powerhouse. Pretty cool. You mentioned the accolades. You were a two-time All-American, first team, all-conference, both your junior and senior years. So did you earn any invites to senior bowls? Yeah, at the time, I earned a, an invite to the College Gridiron Showcase, uh, the CGS. And it was a little different format. It wasn't like the actual bowl games where they brought us up for a full week. We had like a training camp NFL type style. And then at the end of the week, we did a scrimmage. Um, I was invited to that. And I believe there was one more. I think it was the, I forget one more, one more bowl game. But I, I couldn't go to it because it was the same week as the uh, the CGS. So I went there, had a great week there. It was it was real fun to go against, you know, like Power 5 guys and O-linemen from, you know, D1 and just to show those NFL scouts that were there that, you know, I can do this against anyone in the country. You know, it, it didn't matter. You know, D2 players can too. So, You mentioned the power five, which is a perfect segue into my next question. There seems to be a stigma for players who haven't played for Division One power five schools. How do you go about ridding yourself of that stigma and proving that you're just as good of a player, if not better than those power five players? It's just as field of the fire when it comes to myself personally. You know, I, it just makes me want to compete. It makes me want to step up to the challenge even more so, you know, when I get that opportunity, you know, as far as like a college gridiron showcase or something else, uh, as, as if, you know, like being in a major league football that I got the, a chance to do uh, about a month back or a few weeks ago. You know, it just really, it, it, it gets me up, you know, for that. I, like I said, it's just fuel to the fire. You're just ahead on each one of my questions because I was going to say, I understand you signed with Major League Football's Arkansas Tech. We're right there. It's like, I pre-made this list and you're still just segueing right in for me. <laughs> you did, right? The Arkansas Attack. Although it was short-lived, can you share what that experience was like? 
So to take you through the, the two weeks of being in the MLFB, it was great, actually. You know, I took advantage every single day. Just being off of football for about a year and a half and just training, it's like, man, you, you think like, man, when will I ever get this opportunity or this moment again? Just It could be taken away from you at any moment. So every single day I went out there, I took it as it would be my last day. You know, every rep, everything. I just stacked the good days, and that's all any uh, player tries to do during fall camp. Just stack good days. Never worry about the previous day or the following or what's what's to come. Just go out there, have a great day, no matter how yesterday went or how you think tomorrow's going to go. Don't even worry about it. There is no tomorrow. There is no next rep. So with me saying that, it's kind of like ironic how it was just stripped away, you know, <laughs> out of nowhere. But I'm glad that I went into camp with that mindset of, all right, the game's been taken away from me for this past year and a half. Treat every single moment you down here Every meeting, every every session, every every rep, every play, like it's your last. And I was able to get good film because of that. And that's what really helped me uh, stamp my XFL draft. And like once I was able to send that that film around and everything like that, because while we were down there, we were able to get we had a scrimmage, a jamboree style against the other teams where I was able to, you know, do 10 plays against this team, 10 plays against that team. Uh, and then we also had an inner squad scrimmage as well. So. Just was able to get some good plays and, you know, put that up on YouTube and, and, you know, just pass that around to people that I know. Just put it in good hands at that point. Again, we know it was short-lived. It's very unfortunate. How was that environment different moving into the professional setting for you, right? I mean, we talk about anybody, you know, going from high school to college, change of atmosphere. But how was that change of atmosphere, even though for two weeks – in a professional setting, how was that transition for you, even though it was, you know, a short stint? It was great. Honestly, it, it was it was a great transition. Just seeing the different, how different meetings are, you know, just more notes that has to be taken, more attention to detail, uh, just being surrounded by other guys that also, you know, carry themselves as professionals as well. And just knowing when to flip that switch into just, you know, just straight ground mode and straight this is a job. But really, both of my coaches, my head coach, Coach Wilson, and, you know, my position coach, uh, Coach Hosley. Coach Wilson's been around professional football for over 30 years. And, you know, Coach Coach Hosley, he's played actually in the NFL for close to 10 years. So it's like not only did they develop us on the field, but mentally, you know, in those meetings, they were very valuable just telling us stories and giving us advice on what to do and how to carry ourselves as professionals, just not on the field, but off the field as well. So I think that was, if not just as valuable as getting those reps against those other pro athletes on the field. I noticed you posted your XFL draft pool invitation back on August 16th. I'm assuming you have <laughs> since then accepted the invitation. And what was that moment like for you? To get that moment, I was actually to walk you through it i was on a call so i have a job now it's a real it's a remote sales job i was actually on a call with a uh, potential client and then my phone had just lit up something just told me just check your phone i saw the, the email and then i just checked it and then i just stopped talking immediately on the phone and then i was like i'm i'm gonna have to call you back <laughs> I, I just sat there and really just enjoyed that moment and really just lived in that moment and and really just reflected back on how hard i've been working you know, to get up to this point. So it was just, I had to take at least a moment. I don't like to pat myself on the back or do none of that, but I, I really had to just take a moment and be like, man, this, 
to give myself even more hope as, you know, to tell myself, you know, this dream is still alive, if not now, more than ever. And just to tell myself, you know, it's time to work even harder and to prove myself. We hear this when one door closes, another door opens, right? Mm -hmm. That mantra that a lot of people live by, you know, to always be looking forward to the future and don't get hung up on the negative things that happen to us. Did it give you more validity to what you're doing? Oh, you had that short stint with major league football and for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. And I know some people get hung up on like, it's just, maybe it's not meant to be, if this has happened to me, was this more proof that this is what you're meant to do? Totally like doubling down on it. You know what? This is meant to be. Man, that's perfect. Like that's a great question because that it took six days after me leaving Alabama to me getting the invite, it was six days. It was a long six days. I'm not going to lie to you. It had me down. I, I, I was down because, like I said, not only on top of coming out my draft year, you know, COVID just hit us across the country. I was a week out of my pro day and, you know, just training all the way up and being a week out of my pro day. That's when the country shut down. That year, a lot of general managers were like, you know, we want to take those big school guys because they were the only ones we were able to see. You know, they had to pull the scouts off the road. A good majority of that and not being able to scout guys like myself just made it so hard to get into the league that year. That and then going through over a year and, and some change of just working out and just hanging on the hope and, you know, just steady grinding and steady working out and steady having hope. And then when I finally get the chance to get back on the field on 11 versus 11, because I spent about two months this year playing uh, arena ball. But when I was able to get the chance to step back on the field, outdoor football, 11 on 11 after almost two years and have it just taken away from me. At that point, with all of that, like you said, having to go back home, it's like, man, you, you start thinking about a whole bunch of stuff like, is this for me? Like, is it just not meant to be? Am I not doing the right thing? Like, what am I doing? Is it time to really just give it up? You know, it was a it was a long six days. I'm not I'm not gonna lie to you. It definitely was a long six days. But once I got that, that's kind of the moment where I had to really just take a, a second and really just sit and be like, just reflect and hit the reset button. Like, it's okay. Like you, that was the reassurance of basically me seeing the sign that just keep working hard and keep doing what you do and keep trusting the process and continue to be ready so you don't have to get ready that's awesome it, it really is because i could see that being one of those moments for a lot of people be put in that situation from major league football like you said a lot of these guys are not just rookies and i mean i guess you're a rookie but in the sense that they didn't just come out of college it might be a year or two waiting for this moment and you know that's kind of the the sucker punch the punch in the gut that people don't really want and don't want to experience, but it's awesome that you kind of got that light at the end of the tunnel. We know there's still work to be done. There's still a draft that needs to be happened, but the reality is there's that glimmer of hope that's still there on the horizon. So it's pretty cool. Are you currently represented by a, an agency? Um, yes. So, uh, Emily, she's my agent. She's with summit athletes. So that's who I'm uh, represented by. I do have like a couple like consultants and, you know, just guys that are in good position to really just pass my film around that really just help me out a lot just because they know my story and they see my story and they're like, you're good enough. At the end of the day, the film speaks for itself. So they just want to help, whether it's ex-players that played in the league or 
or just guys who are just just fully connected. But as far as uh, actual representation, yeah, Emily's uh, my agent, Summit Athletes. Well, I like to ask that question because, one, it helps that if the avenue in the XFL doesn't work out and somebody mm-hmm. else comes across, you know, this interview, they now know who you're represented by and whatnot. So it kind of hopefully opens more doors for you. But the second piece to that is, as we know, back earlier this month, you know, that information that I broke, an agency reached out to me and shared that unfortunate piece of information. And we know there are some players that unfortunately were on the wrong end of that fraudulent, you know, invite. These guys need to get the right representation if they are covered by these people that supposedly had their best interests that weren't necessarily doing the right job that they were entrusted to do. So sharing your representation and your experience, I think is important for other players to hear as well, because they should know what it is like to have the right people representing you and having your best interest. So with that said, can you share how summit in everyone, your agent, anyone else that's involved, how are they helping you? in the pursuit of achieving your goals? Are they helping you with trainers, new training regiments? I mean, what is it that they do that really is helping you in obtaining playing professional football? They're helping me out, you know, uh, as far as my agent, you know, and then, you know, a couple, you know, basically I I call them managers. They're all helping me out, you know, as far as uh, professional development goes with, um, when it comes to just training regimen, just at keeping up to date what I got going on. They like to stay looped in as far as what's my regimen that I'm on, as far as the diet, things like that. But also, you know, mentally, too, just making sure my head is on straight, right? Making sure I'm doing the right things. At the end of the day, too, you know, I got a great team, you know, surrounding me that that's helping me out to get where I want to go. And that's pass off. And, you know, to them, I, I, I'm so appreciative of them for sure. Myself as well, though, you know, I do a lot of research, you know, I just don't give it all to them and be like, hey, the low's on you guys. It's all on you. You know, I do a lot of research myself as far as like training and stuff goes. You know, I like that. You know, I, I pay for myself. You know, that's just the type of guy I am. You know, I like to invest in myself and, you know, nothing against them or, or none of that. But it's just, you know, I just like to keep that. I just like to do my work, too, as well as like a professional athlete, I feel like. You know, we got to do, you know, some type of work. You know, we can't just let, you know, them just carry all the load and, you know, you guys pay for this, you guys do this. Or at the end of the day, I'm a, I'm a grown professional athlete as well. So I take that responsibility to, to make sure that I'm doing my end of the bargain as to making sure that I'm sharp on all ends and just making sure I'm ready. That's good to hear that you're holding yourself accountable, being responsible. That's respectable. So I, I'm glad you shared that. Outside of football, what have you been up to? Outside of football, man, all I do is is, is really just I, I go to work. I got my remote job, at home sales position, uh, and I, and I'm just at home with with my family, man, my um my girlfriend and my and my daughter. You know, I, I spend a lot of my just free time with them, brother, my mom, my grandparents. You know, I just try to you know spend a lot of good quality time with my family because. You know, besides when I'm not working or working out, that's when I'm the most happiest, when I'm with them. I have had an XFL executive appear on the show before. So I'm not saying that they're definitely watching, but they're in tuned enough to know that the show exists, right? 
So I typically ask each of my guests, and I give them an opportunity or a last plea, if you will. If XFL coaches or key staff members were tuning into this episode, what is there about you that is greatly unknown, that is very important to who you are, what makes you you, what makes you tick, all that stuff, that you believe that they should be aware of? And ultimately, why should they select you over another player in the draft? I'll, um, I'll start with off the field. I'll do off the field and on the field. As far as off the field goes, I'll carry myself as a professional 24-7 to represent the organization as, you know, my own name. You know, I take that very seriously. Staying out of trouble type of guy and, you know, just anything I can do in the community. Um, I love giving back. And I just I just love being there for, you know, the youth and just anyone in general who needs it, you know, whether it be mental health or anything like that or just anything. So, you know, that's off the field, you know, paying attention in, in meetings, doing the extra, showing up early, staying late, uh, you know, just being the best person that I could be day in and day out. And then as far as on the field, there's no one that plays like a motor with how I play. I treat every play like it's the last like I had mentioned before, it's now that more than ever since of what I've been through the past few years. You just never know when this game could be taken away from you. And you can turn on tape, but you can't. And it stands out, but you can't teach it as far as having a high motor. And I feel like I've always had a high motor. But now, like I said, it's, I'm more motivated than ever. I really just want an opportunity to just come in and compete at the highest level day in and day out and show myself and I'm just more motivated than ever with having a daughter or family and, and just having that feeling of like, man, I've just forgotten about I'm sitting at home for two years and I'm more hungrier than ever. Shahan, it has been a pleasure. It really has. I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and talk with me about your football experience and draft invitation. I hope to see you selecting the XFL draft coming November. I believe it's like November 16th. But more importantly, I'd like to see you make the team's roster and get a chance to play in the league in 2023. If so, I would love to have you come back onto the show sometime to discuss how things are going for you and just how things are progressing for your team. Definitely will. Definitely will do that. Awesome. If some of our listeners wanted to follow you in your journey, how could they do so? You can follow me on Instagram at swills underscore 50. That's S-W-I-L-L-Z as in zebra, underscore five zero. And then on Twitter, my Twitter, you could just search in Shahan Williams. And then my at name on there is Moving Forward 101. That's my brand name, uh, Moving Forward. But um, And then on Facebook, just Shahan Williams as well. But definitely can uh, reach out, follow me. You know, DM me if you got any questions. If you're a young athlete, you know, just want to know something or just if you just got any questions in general, I'm I'm easy to get a hold of and I'm a down-to-earth type of guy. Perfect. Thank you, Shahan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Despite being a Division II player, his career is nothing to shrug off. Shahan's statistics and honors speak for itself. He is the perfect example of a player who is a diamond in the rough and is exactly what the XFL is looking for and ultimately what it needs for its relaunch in 2023. Unfortunately, there has not been any Let's Talk XFL fan line messages for this week. If you have a comment, question, or hot take and would like it to be heard on the show, reach out to Let's Talk XFL fan line by calling 863-TALK-XFL or 863-825-5935. 
doing so, your message could be included in an upcoming episode. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Let's Talk XFL. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback. So do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts. And if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform of choice. One last thing. If you're interested in checking out our friends over at Royal Retros by 503 Sports, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes, as well as that sweet code, Let's Talk XFL, or 10% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in. Till next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Let's Talk XFL on your platform of choice. Follow Let's Talk XFL on Facebook and Twitter at Let's Talk XFL. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to letstalkxfl at gmail.com.